Welcome to the Public Services Reform podcast from the Centre for Market and Public Organisation. My name is Ramesh Vaitalingam and today I'm talking to Professor Carol Proper from the Centre. And we're going to be talking about choice in healthcare. Carol, choice in healthcare is one of the big issues of the moment, one of the big political uh, debates. But this is not a particularly new thing. You said it's been around before discussions about introducing more choice. Yes. Um, the Conservative government between 1991 and 1997 introduced the, the famous NHS internal market, which was intended to separate out the buying and the selling of healthcare and to give people more options of where they'd get their health care. So there has already been one experiment in this in the UK. So what's new about what the, uh, the government is proposing now? What's new is it's much more patient-focused. The internal market was basically about reorganising big blocks of suppliers and as, um, buyers of health care. And the patient kind of got a bit lost in all of this. In the, the current proposals, or in, indeed in the current reforms running now, the patient is, at the cent- is supposed to be at the centre of this. And from 2006, all GPs in England will be required to offer their patients a choice of four healthcare providers. By 2008, or the end of 2008, patients are supposed to be able to choose any provider that's been licensed by the Healthcare Commission. So it's a much wider extension of the choice agenda. Okay. So, so the idea is to introduce more competition because that will generate better outcomes for the consumers, the, the patients. But, um, what, 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 uh, what other impacts will it, will it have, do you think? Well, that's, that's indeed the basic idea. The kind of theory is that competition in other markets brings benefits, uh, increases quality, allows consumers to express preferences. And, and really the, the kind of read across has been taken from those other markets that having more choice between where you can go um, allows people to choose hospitals that have better quality uh, or allows people to choose hospitals that have lower waiting lists. So the idea is that waiting lists will fall, hospitals will be more responsive to patients' needs, and um, quality in healthcare will rise. So that's the, the kind of background idea of the kind of positive things that will come out of this. But you think there might be some downsides? I mean, competition doesn't necessarily generate these, these benefits, particularly in, a, in such a, a tricky market as, as healthcare. That's right. I mean, the evidence to support the claims that competition is a good thing in healthcare is, is by no means unequivocal. There's clear evidence that competition drives down costs. So, you know, you get more, more operations for the same amount of money. There's... The, the evidence on what it does to quality is, is much more mixed and indeed some work that we did at CMPO on the internal market suggests that at least some aspects of quality fell in the internal market. So what's also kind of evident is that these markets are quite subtle and the impact of competition in healthcare depends very much on the institutional details, the, the specific arrangements of the market. I mean, put simply, it means that the devil's in the detail. One market might work, but you, unless you import that lock, stock and barrel, you can't be sure that your version of the market will work. So the kind of specific problems that I think um, competition brings are, in the first place, competition is intended to increase the pressure on healthcare providers. 
healthcare providers are just like firms in any other market. When they've got pressure, they're going to want to avoid it. Um, and what we've seen in the US is that hospitals have tried to avoid competitive pressure by either negotiating preferential access to insurers or negotiation um, preferential prices or by merging. Now, under the rules of the game that we're going to have here in England, um, the first two options aren't open. You can't negotiate preferential access to patients and you can't negotiate preferential prices. Prices are going to be regulated centrally with a national tariff that sets a price for every type of operation. So really the only way of, well, one of the two ways that you might um, reduce competitive pressure is by seeking to merge with other hospitals. And I think it's quite likely that what we're going to see is once the market beds down, we're going to see hospitals trying to merge with each other. Now, this might seem like a good thing, you know, bigger hospitals bring economies of scale. But the, the problem with mergers is it's been shown in the US that mergers in hospital markets don't necessarily bring benefits. What they do is bring an easier life for the hospital. Um, hospitals have kind of tried to fight back and say, well, we're not for profit and we serve the community and we're not going to harm anyone's interests. But when you actually look at cases um, that have been of mergers that have ha been happened, analysts of the American market show that whether it's a for profit merging or a not for profit merging, the same kind of less than positive outcomes tend to occur. So doesn't help that most of the players in the UK market will be either foundation trusts, part of the NHS, or not-for-profits. If not-for-profits merge, they seem to have the same bad impact on competition as for-profits merging. So how can we deal with this problem then? It doesn't sound to be, this isn't something that we've, uh, we've heard discussed in all this choice agenda really, but it sounds like a very important problem that we should be tackling. Do we need some kind of uh, regulation of, of the healthcare market when, under the, the new, the new um, regime? Yes, I think we do. I mean, I think you're right. Most of the focus of the agenda has been on the patient and choice and helping the patient to make choice. There's been much less discussion of the supply side of the market, other than the fact that the government's trying to promote the entry of firms that uh, may be not traditional firms. But in the long term, I think, even if they're promoting entry now, you will have this drive towards merger. And I think it really means that we have to have a regulatory structure that deals with hospitals applying for mergers. Now, that's a very new thing. And uh, it's a difficult thing to implement because historically, the NHS has been, or the Department of Health, has been very much in favour of mergers. They've seen this as a way of getting excess beds out of the system. They've seen this as a way of maybe reaping economies of scale. And of course, Treasury, as the financer of the public sector, has been very happy to go along with lack of duplication of facilities. But if you're going to have choice, you need some duplication of facilities. You can't have everyone merge into one huge hospital. And that's an extreme case, but then you wouldn't have any choice at all, obviously. So I think there's going to be a need for a market regulator, a regulator who understands 
how hospitals respond to economic incentives and takes judgments on whether hospitals should be allowed to merge. And that's very much a new function. So this would be something like an off-health? This would be very much like an off-health. And my view about that off-health is, although I think the Department of Health would probably argue that it could be off-health, I think that's the wrong way to go. It's clear that the Department of Health, in the decisions it makes about promoting the choice agenda, will affect the nature of the market. And you really need an independent regulator, independent of the Department of Health, and indeed probably different to the existing regulators who are in the healthcare market. And clearly there are a lot of regulators in the healthcare market. Their main concern, like the Healthcare Commission, is around quality. That's obviously a very important part of regulating healthcare, but it isn't the same thing as economic regulation. It isn't the same thing as understanding the impact of mergers and understanding competition policy. So my view is that the regulator probably needs to be a body that understands the economics of hospital and healthcare markets. They're quite subtle economics, quite difficult economics, and probably therefore needs to be a regulatory body of the kind that we have in the rest of the, the economy. The Competition Commission or the Office of Fair Trading seem to be, to me, the appropriate bodies to be thinking about regulating market structure in the UK healthcare market. Okay, so so, so that's one potentially uh, bad incentive that, uh, that uh, healthcare providers might have in the new regime. Presumably there are others as well. I mean, they must have different incentives in the kind of treatments they provide, the kind of patients they, uh, they, they want to take care of. Yes. I mean, what, what the new regime is going to have is patient choice backed up with this national tariff. As I said, what the national tariff does is it sets a single price for a type of operation. That, that price can be adjusted for the severity of the patient. But what we know about these systems is you can never adjust for the severity of the patient perfectly. So a national tariff gives three kinds of incentives. Um, it's supposed to pr um, promote a level playing field between providers. But it gives incentives for three kinds of things which are called very attractively in this literature dumping, skimping and creaming. What's dumping? It means not accepting the more severely ill patients. Skimping is you accept them but you undertreat them or you treat them very conservatively. And uh, creaming is you overtreat certain patients. So we know that these fixed price tariffs tend to mean that hospitals tend to overtreat patients in order that they can get them into a higher category and get more money. So that's one thing that will have to be looked at. The other thing is that, that with our system in which we have both a national tariff and we have so we have financial and we have financial league tables, we also have quality league tables. And quality league tables um, are harmed if you have a lot of severely ill patients who don't recover well. So in, in this system, a severely ill patient might give you a real double whammy. They both cost you a lot and they influence negatively your quality performance. So I think we see quite strong incentives for hospitals to avoid treating 
the more expensive patients. Now we have no idea how that's going to play out yet and we have no evidence that that's happening but it's very clear that those incentives exist. So I think we're going to need the regulatory body also to look at whether hospitals are changing the kind of patients they accept when we start seeing this national tariff come through the system. So I guess your story is really about, you know, we hear a lot about patient choice, but we don't hear quite so much about the supply side. We don't hear so much about competition. And that in fact, there could be some, some uh, incentives for, uh, for strange behaviour, undesirable behaviour by, by providers. And the government will need to think that through, how they manage that carefully. I don't think it's strange behaviour. It's very logical economic behaviour in the face of these sharp and changed incentives. Um, And indeed, there has been less thought, I think, given to this, um, particularly the kind of deep economics of this problem, than perhaps I, as an economist, would like to see. Carol Proper, thank you very much.